0: This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith and a culture against faith. Hey everybody, welcome back to Let's Talk. I have an exciting, exciting <laughs> day planned with my longtime friend and colleague, Adam Cheney.
1: What's up? Happy hey. to be here. Happy to be here. Uh, longtime listener of the Well House Podcast. Yeah, longtime plural. listener, first time caller, <laughs> first time caller, first time guest. Uh, loving what y'all are doing here. Happy to be here. R- really, truly, let me just say, let me just start this way. I really, truly am honored to be here because what you guys are doing. We were just talking about this, Cullen is uh, is a real pioneering work uh, in the kingdom, um, and I think even culturally, uh, and so to be asked to be a part of it is important. Um, our friendship. Uh, has been ongoing for gosh i don't know how long i actually haven't done the math how old your daughter she's eight so, so like eight nine years, eight years eight years, eight years. Yeah. Yeah, 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 she
0: was she was three and months old born. when we met
1: yeah so all that to say um happy to be here and yeah. uh, and and excited about where this conversation is going to go
0: yeah grateful grateful so just for our listeners uh give us a little bit of like bio info on you
1: yeah i'm adam i'm obviously not clayton yeah Um, (laughs) shout out to clayton thanks for keeping the seat warm um yeah i'm adam i um where should i start so cullen and i met when we were both doing our undergraduate degrees at houston baptist university uh dogs up um and i'm from houston born and raised in houston Uh, Went to HBU while uh, also starting a nonprofit with some friends called uh, Elijah Rising. And so what I do now, full time, is I'm the development director for Elijah Rising and we're ending sex trafficking through prayer awareness, intervention, and restoration and great candles. Um, But after I graduated from HBU, I went on to Truett Seminary. In Waco, Texas, uh, for four years, and loved that experience. Um, I'm very happy that Cullen is also a true student. Uh, but while I was while I was at True in seminary, I pastored First Baptist Church, Riesel, Texas, which is a small community of about a thousand outside of Waco, and lived there. Uh, our second child was born while we were there, and um, it was a great experience. Learned a lot. Uh, one of the things I learned was that I didn't, I I don't really have a call to be a senior pastor of a local church. Um, and so came back to Houston, which is where all of our family and friends, um, were. And that's when I I came back to Elijah rising. I was on the original team that formed Elijah rising, left it to go to Waco, came back. Now I'm back at Elijah rising. So I could say a lot more. I don't know what else.
0: No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So while I stuck around at HBU to do, uh, my Your first master. masters, yeah. uh, Adam went away to Truitt and put a little bit of distance, uh, geographically yeah. on our friendship, but never, never failed. And, uh yeah. Well and said. so glad, glad for him to be back in Houston. We get to hang out a whole lot more and uh, love the work that they do at Elijah rising. Yeah. Um, so Yes. With that being said, Adam has two theology degrees. Indeed. Uh, I have two working on a third. Um, and we are both very involved in culture and politics yeah. and how that shapes uh, Christian worldviews and the way we interact in culture uh, in light of faith. Which is what this podcast is. I was going to say,
1: I, I think you just introd the podcast. Like, yeah. That's what this is. Yeah,
0: it is. And so that's why I thought Adam was a great person to come on and talk about this. And specifically, the topic that we want to talk about today is deconstruction.
1: Yeah. Great topic.
0: It, it really is. And I think, so this is one thing that I love about Wellhouse is we have created a place that is theologically conservative mm. while being socially progressive. I love that. Uh that doesn't exist, <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the local church at, at large. Well,
1: it's a middle ground that's uh almost impossible to maintain because often you're attacked from both sides. Right. Yeah.
0: And so uh but with that, one of the things that I've realized is being in this space there's a lot of things that come to light that you don't notice being on oh, either of the ends of the spectrum. And one of them is we as the church have not done a good job of giving people space to doubt. Mm,
1: it's true, uh,
0: which is what a form of deconstruction is, is the need to doubt yeah. and deconstruct in order to reconstruct. Yeah. And I'll say it again. Hillary McBride on the Liturgist podcast, yeah. she talks about this.
1: Dr. Hillary yes. McBride.
0: If you believe the same thing at 28 that yeah. you believed at 8, that is unhealthy for development. And so we should, to some extent, always be deconstructing and reconstructing. Without a doubt. Um, our, our beloved professor mentor, uh, Randy Hatchett, once told me that if you ever think you've resolved the tensions, mm. you're probably in heresy. Yeah. Because those tensions exist <laughs> yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Which means if you're truly invested in what God is doing uh through the world, if you think you've solved all the problems, yeah, you've probably missed God at work. Absolutely. Which is why we want to talk about deconstruction. Because as we talked about before, my understanding, and I've been through deconstruction. Adam, you've had Uh, a little bit different of a journey of deconstruction. Mm. But my understanding of deconstruction is nobody actually deconstructs faith, the system. Most people are deconstructing the way people of faith have acted in the name of faith.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there are plenty of people who are, who are deconstructing their Christian faith and who, who do come out the other end of that deconstruction process, uh, no longer holding a Christian faith. I mean, I have friends, I I have close friends who we developed our faith together from a young age and who now would not consider themselves Christians. Mm. Now it doesn't necessarily.
0: Would they consider themselves people of faith?
1: Well, they would, they would definitely consider themselves people of faith. Um, but they are defining terms differently. Yeah. So I think the, one of the first notes I just want to make here is when it comes to the conversation of deconstruction, two things. first, uh, even the conversation about deconstruction is really scary for some Christians, for many Christians, because it's like a dirty word. Like, well, that must mean that, like, you don't love God or trust right. God anymore, which gets to your doubt point, which we'll come back to. Um, the, the second thing is, like, so I just want to say, like, I don't think deconstruction is a scary thing. Um, and the way that you framed it just now, like, as a as a growth, uh, I, I think you said needed growth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is well said. And I agree. The other thing too, is that so much of the Christianity that was handed to me, right? Cause our faith is handed to us.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Nobody develops their own faith in a cave unless you're a desert father. Right. Yeah, and that, Right. Most of you, your listeners are not you're that not. person. Yeah.
0: And we, we talk about that often in here and we get comments oftentimes that we're critical and of fundamentalism sure and it's not necessarily that we're i'm critical of all expressions of faith even my own that's just who i am and i think that's healthy for growth i think that's healthy too but i'm critical of fundamentalism and i talk about it so much because it's the faith that was handed to
1: me oh i see uh ah, I, I grew up in fundamentalism. so it's a personal critique
0: yeah it's a personal critique and yeah. it's what i have deconstructed from
1: sure yeah i mean i don't know that i was handed fundamentalism um I think, the, I think the Adam of today would look back on the faith that was handed and maybe call it fundamentalism it reaction, oh, as a okay, reaction. Yeah. You know? right. uh, I think understanding what true fundamentalism is, I don't think that's really the faith that was handed to me. But kind of back to what I was saying, like I, everybody has been handed down a faith. Like You've been given a script. You were raised in some sort of household, Like even if that was not from your parents or from some uncle or grandmother or something like that. You were handed a faith that you learned and you developed over time. At a certain point though, and you're maturing, you start to have questions. Like Ezra is not asking the questions today that she'll ask in 10, 15 years, right? right. Which is to the, you know, Hillary McBride quote. There has to come a point, I believe, in every person's faith journey where you have to doubt. And this is what I tell people when they ask me about my deconstruction journey, which I, I'm happy to share more about the details of my own personal journey. Here's what I say to people. I've come to a point at 33 years of age, having two theology degrees from well-known, established institutions. I'm very proud of my, my professional theological education and training. I spent eight years as a pastor. Uh, I've read the Bible through and through multiple times, taught on it preached a thousand sermons. I I am to the point now where I think the doubt and the darkness is your friend. Yeah. It scares so many people to, to the fundamental, fundamentalism thing. So many um, Christian traditions, structures, and systems fear the doubt because it feels like this single thread that if I pull it, hit the mic that if i pull it everything unravels yep that may be the case that does happen for some but i pulled that thread (laughs) and i'm even getting a little emotional thinking about it now i pulled that thread some scary moments were had but i believe that i am more aware of in tune with and confident in my faith today than I ever have been in 33 years of life yeah. because I made friends with the doubt and the darkness and I wallowed in it for a while, a couple of years. Um, and I have come out the other side of it with, I was going to say with less doubt. I don't think that's true with more confidence and strength than I've ever had before.
0: Yeah, I think you know we we don't do a good job of understanding that because in in a lot of churches, when you begin to say that you have doubts, mm-hmm. people have made up in their mind that that somehow means you no longer have faith.
1: Well, and that they have to somehow mitigate that for you,
0: right? That that it's now a problem that right. they
1: need to fix. Got to solve it,
0: which ends up hurting people more. Yeah. Because when we try to project our own anxieties of doubt onto someone else, we're giving them an answer they didn't ask for.
1: Yeah, it's well said.
0: They need to wrestle with that. Um, and, And I don't think that this is just my understanding. When we don't allow people to doubt, they run from faith because yeah. they couldn't doubt. And so yeah. I was talking to a pastor the other day and he's like, well, I never get to challenge my people because they just want to be encouraged. Yeah, And I was like, they want to be encouraged because you didn't give them a space to doubt. Yeah, they, they have questions that they haven't been given space to doubt and wrestle with those. And so they need to be constantly encouraged because if not... They're just wallowing in their doubt yeah. that they haven't wrestled with. They haven't come through on that other side.
1: Well, let's just be honest. Like So much of Christianity is a mystery. Oh, yeah. Like We can stand up in front of congregations and we can tout degrees and we can experience, et cetera. And we can say that like we have invested in the faith so much that we have a lot of answers. But here's the truth. Okay, hot take. Most of this stuff we do not know. Oh, no. There's so much mystery, which makes Christianity so beautiful. But you got to get to the place to where you're okay with that. You're okay with the tension.
0: Well, we're, we're products of modernity, and we don't like mystery
1: anymore. Yeah, we're like, we, everything has to be objectively proven. Yeah. And here, hot take, that's not possible. No. <laughs> I mean, some things, right? But yeah, like,
0: but when you're talking about, I love this analogy from C.S. Lewis, that, that we're a line trying to explain a cube.
1: Yeah, well yeah, yeah, yeah. If if yeah.
0: we if if the Bible is the record of the revelation of God and his work through history, then it is virtually impossible for us to fully understand and comprehend. Yeah. I remember right. my deconstruction began so I'm a history buff, um and I'm kind of a political buff and I'm I'm a nerd in all of those realms.
1: You are a nerd. Yeah. I, a nerd. Yeah,
0: I know. Uh, Our people know it too. It's okay. Um, But with that, I began to wrestle with this question. So mine is the anomaly that mine actually did arise from the theological system that I was given. It wasn't how I saw people of God act. That came in at a later point, but my deconstruction began when I had to wrestle with this question. How can a God that is wholly good, H-O-L-Y and W-H-O-L-L-Y, and all-powerful, allow the holocaust
1: yeah right the problem of evil so for
0: me it was if god truly is this Mm -hmm. this god that i've been given i came to a point where the answer that i was receiving which is the bible says was an insufficient answer yeah and so i had to go outside of my tradition and deconstruct what had happened in order to get a like something that i could come to terms with of that answer yeah yeah uh, because for me it's just it, it it doesn't compute that a good God that is also all powerful yeah. is capable of allowing genocide.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So with that, I think deconstruction happens for different people at different times, and I wish we got a better record of it. Um, but the apostle Paul goes through deconstruction.
1: Yeah, you know, I've never thought about that, but when absolutely when in Acts eight,
0: when he has that encounter with Jesus, Mm -hmm. the voice of Jesus, when he has that encounter, it says he goes away and goes to Achaia, like there's something happening there. Right. And it's like we show up and it's like 10 years later.
1: It's a different dude.
0: He's totally different. He's been studying, he's been reforming, he's been deconstructing what he knew about the the faith of Israel yeah. into how Jesus fits in. Yeah. He was wrestling through deconstruction. The like we are Christians because of Paul. Mm. And he went through deconstruction. And I think they all do. Yeah. So in Matthew You know, Matthew 28, we love to quote that verse go therefore, make disciples. Right before that, they are in front of the risen Jesus, and it says they were worshiping, and some
1: doubted. Yeah.
0: They are literally looking at the risen Jesus, and they have doubt. Yeah. We've got to stop looking at doubt as the lack of faith.
1: Yeah. Because sometimes the willingness to embrace the doubt is a move of faith. It is an act of faith.
0: Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, say more about that.
1: Yeah, which I think is like, as I reflect on my own deconstruction, uh, which is still in process, honestly, but like to embrace the doubt, to wrestle with the doubt maybe is a better way. To put it is an act of faith. Um, you see, my my deconstruction wasn't so much uh, spurred on by the problem of evil, you know, in the ways that that you're kind of sharing your story. For me, where mine began was I lost faith in the people of God, not so much God Himself. Yeah, which you mentioned earlier. Um, I I started to lose faith in the system, the structures which unfortunately for me at the time, I was at the head of, I was a senior pastor. pastoring a congregation. Yeah. In seminary, right? Um, pastoring a congregation. Um, and there was a moment, you know, my seminary experience, which was four years long, and I, I hate to go get political, but you guys here seem to be very comfortable with that. Um, My seminary experience, the first two years of seminary were spent during the, um, the, the run up to the candidacy of the primary of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. That was the first two years.
0: So you finishing out the Obama administration and Mm -hmm. leading up through an election cycle.
1: Yeah. Like the election cycle, right? Yeah. Trump versus Hillary, right? 2016 the second two years of my seminary experience, again, senior pastor, small, rural Baptist church, right? In Texas, in Texas, the second two years of my seminary experience was spent the first two years of the Trump administration. Um,
0: Very different political climates.
1: Well, it forced me to wrestle with my faith in the like my orthodoxy and my orthopraxy. Yeah and how I was gonna do that in the world. Yeah. Like how those two things connected and everything that those scripts, that faith that was handed down to me for my whole life, I've grown up in the church, like I've been in the church since I was four years old, okay, Uh, and rarely missed a gathering of the faithful since the age of four. And here I am standing in front of a congregation week in and week out, and as I wrestle with Jesus, the person of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the character, the nature, the love of Jesus, and the experiential um, uh, revelation of Jesus, I mean, the Jesus that is in this room with us right Right. now, the work of the Holy Spirit, as I wrestle with that, and then I look at my... um, some of my mentors, some of my friends, some of my family members, some of those people that I have long looked up to, respected, received the faith from, interpret their faith through a new lens of Christian nationalism, um, equating much of their faith with the... um, america first america only a very nationalistic political um interpretation of if i love jesus i must vote this way Mm. which i fully reject yeah if you love jesus you can vote any way you want yeah um i don't care um but there are these people in my life who for much of my life, I was like, this is an example of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. And suddenly their worldview and my worldview were like at opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So here's where my, here's where my deconstruction started. As a long lead into this. I was like, wait, if God is speaking to both of us, because I don't doubt people's salvation. First of all, it's not my darn job, okay? I don't get to tell you if you know the Lord or not. Yeah. Not my job. Um, I'm looking at this these these people in my life. I know they love the Lord. I know they're pursuing the Lord in much of the same practice that I am, but our perspectives, our worldview is so starkly different right now. The Jesus that I'm wrestling with and the Jesus that they're wrestling with, we are coming out to two opposite ends of how we're gonna live that out. um and and they say that they're hearing God, Tell them to think like this, act like this, vote like this, um, live like this. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm hearing God say, think like this, act like this, vote like this, live like this. Yeah. How can the same singular God who loves us and wants to expand his kingdom through us and build our families together, is God schizophrenic? Is he telling me to see the world one way and telling this person to see the world another way? Yeah. How can we both be hearing the voice of God? One of us is wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's very black and white
1: indeed yeah <laughs> which is part of the problem yeah it is <laughs> but but like that's where it started for me though yeah for sure. so like i just and then like i would try to articulate this struggle and then i was met with resistance
0: mm, you weren't given space
1: no space and again it was very unfortunate that i was at the head of a church right i was leading a congregation um I needed to find a space to where it was okay to make friends with the doubt and the darkness. Yeah. Because I would I lost all faith in the people of God. I lost all faith in the church.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so hard. I think that's a lot of people's story if if the Bible is the record of the move of God through history and a declaration of how the love of God should be experienced through the people of God, which is what we believe at Wellhouse Church. Yeah. Then how you see the people of God act naturally means that you have to make up that that's what God, their God, how he wants them to act.
1: It's incarnation. I yeah. mean, we we're talking about this a little earlier, but like your faith is always incarnational. Your faith is always working itself out in your practice in your actions in the way that you spend your money your time
0: if, if it's anything more than a superficial faith yeah, yeah. sure if, if well, you are truly a person trying to live right. faith applying that yes, faith, to, it's absolutely incarnation
1: yeah and it's like my yeah it's just a struggle it's like i see you living your life one way and you know yeah Anyways, I was going to say, you know, I think the advent of social media and its um, significant presence in our lives, I think it, it distorts what we think other people are thinking, saying, living. Yeah. Um plays a significant role and so i mean there are multiple times i mean even to this day where people tell me i'm not a christian anymore because of the way that i see the world despite literally every day of my life living sacrificially for the the marginalized the the oppressed the least of these um, i do that because of jesus like i live my life every single day because of who jesus has revealed himself to be to me and me trying to model that but because i cast a vote for a certain individual, suddenly I'm no longer a believer. Yeah. How can we be in the same family of God and God, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. And so that really did lead me to this place to where I thought, well, maybe God's not real. Mm. Maybe this whole narrative, this whole revelatory narrative
0: is just myth.
1: It's all myth. Um. And that ended some relationships that scared some people in my life. It scared my wife, who I'm sure will watch this at some point. She's probably thinking to herself right now. Oh God, what's he going to say? But, um, I mean, it caused some significant struggle in our marriage Yeah, because I was at a point to where I was like, I never want to step foot into a church again. Cause at this point, like I'd left the pastorate and I was moving on other things. I was like, I'm never going to church again. I mean, I told you this. Yeah. Um, we were
0: we were sitting at a, a bar, and you're like, "Dude, I'm I'm out.
1: I'm done. I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with evangelicalism for sure. Uh, I'm done identifying this way. I'm done trying to live like this. Um, uh, Jesus, I believe the historical record of like a man, um, you know, in ancient Palestine.
0: Yeah. Well, nobody. I mean, we have. Yeah, we know that number surreal. of records that <laughs> yeah, record right. that. Yeah. Like
1: I can't deny that fact. But like all this mess that has been handed down to me yeah. in the faith, I'm out yeah. I'm out because the because the end result has been pain and trauma and alienation and just mean just meanness yeah and um so I got a therapist hey
0: you can have Jesus and a therapist I'm telling you man we talk about therapy on all of our podcasts all the time all of our leaders of wellhouse all have therapists believe in therapy constantly pursue therapy and mental health it like no shame we got to get rid of the shame around that
1: oh there should be no shame unfortunately much of the church is uh, responsible for the shame
0: oh yeah absolutely because (laughs) if if somebody has mental illness they're demonically oppressed well
1: it's back to the like well doubt and lack of faith and demons and all this stuff and
0: just terrible narrative around it
1: terrible narrative but like i got i got a therapist I fortunately, my wife and I have really open communication lines. It's been, you know, very important to us since our dating years. We had really in-depth, hard, difficult, but important conversations about this stuff. Um, And I intentionally started trying to find other Christians in my life who felt what I was feeling, who saw what I was seeing, who struggled the way I was struggling. And I tell people now, like, because it's interesting. I have this conversation with people a lot about my deconstruction. It's like I tell people often it's like I realize now that I'm not in that dark place anymore. I actually never doubted the existence of God. I don't think I ever lost my faith. Oh, so you never you never had the like well God's not real. I I tried to go there but never could get there if that makes sense. Okay. I totally lost my faith in the people of God. Yeah. And so, when I came to that realization in the deconstruction process, I said, okay, fine, let me go look for, like, God, okay, I believe in you. There's, I still, again, two theology degrees. I still have a lot of questions. Oh, yeah. About theological systems that I've adopted. But I said, well, let me go see if I can find some other people of God, some other Christians who, um, don't hate me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who can accept me? Yeah. And yeah. give me that space yeah. to have these hard conversations. And you've been one of those people, thank God. Um, and a number of a number of others. Fortunately, I work for an organization where it is a very safe group of people. Yeah. Elijah Rising is a very diverse group of people. Uh, I mean, socially, politically, uh, in many, many, many ways but it's safe. Like nobody's yeah. like, well, you're not a Christian anymore. You know? Um, so anyways, I feel like I'm rambling, but yeah, no, it's been I a think, lot of my personal experience.
0: I think that, and that's one of the things that is important to me. Cause I actually got to the place where I was like, God can't be real. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, a lot of people do a lot of millennials do.
0: Yeah. And I, the crazy thing is, um, IVP just put out a book not too long ago called you found me. Mm. And it's a, it's a social, uh, um, a sociological study of millennials and gen z and actually how the way that they view the world makes them more susceptible to an idea of faith because of postmodernity yeah but the yeah. problem is they can't find faith in the people of
1: faith i'm telling you man
0: and so for us at wellhouse um i didn't i i wasn't given that space either to doubt yeah luckily i had our great friend and mentor uh, Dr. Ben Blackwell yeah. uh to help me in my doubt um I got really into patristic theology and like just what they were doing cuz a lot of what they're doing is deconstruction too absolutely um cuz they're t- I mean they are literally building a religion
1: well they're doing a lot of reconstructing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but in order to reconstruct you got to deconstruct gotta tear it apart
0: um and so that was really helpful for me I'm really given over to patristic theology in a lot of ways. Um, but allowing space for deconstruction fits who we as Wellhouse are mm. because one of our values is to be real. Yeah, I don't need yeah. you to show up and put on a, a, a pretty face and pretend like everything's okay. Yeah, I need this to be a space where you can be transformed by the love and restoration of Jesus. And if you feel like, You know, this is what I noticed. I actually left ministry for three years. Mm -hmm. Went to work in the secular culture. I actually didn't even go like parachurch ministry. No, I know. You were
1: at a law firm. Yeah, I was out.
0: Um, I wanted to leave. I didn't want to be a pastor anymore. I was going to go to law school. Took the LSAT. Like did all the things. I was headed out. Um, And Jesus just never let me go. Yeah. Um, But that road happened for me. Because the space where I felt I needed to be able to have those conversations, I was ostracized when I tried to have them. Absolutely. Uh, It's tough. And then, just like you, you know, I was uh, a junior staff member at a significant sized church. And when I began to have a different hermeneutic, Mm. uh, when I began to read the Bible a bit differently, it was, I mean, I was shunned almost yeah. instantly. Yeah. Um, I've told this story before, but this is one of the examples that we mean is like, so I grew up in fundamentalism. A big, big piece of fundamentalism is the belief in a premillennial rapture <laughs> of the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um in deconstruction, I'd come to like just fully and Somewhat, I'm over it now, but like hostilely reject that.
1: I remember, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, uh, Adam was about, there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: and I was in a church and j- still wrestling with deconstruction, and had someone from the pulpit say,
1: mm, "I know what you're about to say. If
0: you don't believe in the rapture, you can't believe in the resurrection." Yeah, it's like, oh. This is definitely not a place that allows for deconstruction. Yeah. Because not only are you trying to, you're trying to indoctrinate me. Yeah. Which is what we don't want to do at Wellhouse. Like, right. we, excuse me, I truly believe that there's beauty in the mystery. Yeah. And that's why we've made our statement of faith the creeds. I love it. Because it does allow for the most diverse perspective of faith. Yeah. And one thing i've noticed and I, I this is another piece i'm still deconstructing with is for a large portion of history the church has been an institution of power. Yeah. <laughs> which is something that i just loathe
1: it's it's uncomfortable because when you acquire power you have to hold on to power
0: and you have to do some heinous things in order to hold on to it
1: yeah um which i'm reminded of a man in in the bible who laid down all of his ultimate power all of his power and became like one of us yeah and did not grasp it but laid it down unto the point of death
0: yeah and even so that's a very like theological thing that Paul's doing there in Philippians 2 but even amongst his peers yeah he takes off his outer garment taking on the look of a slave to do a slave's work in washing feet yep um literally 100% rejection of power yep and yet it seems to be the thing that we pursue most
1: it's the thing we fight for it's the thing we fight over it's the thing we it drives our economics. It, I mean, it, all the things and the church. As long as the motivation of the church is to maintain power in society and in culture, and to do that through structures which demand an economic system uh, remain in place to fund it above and beyond need, yeah, we will victimize the communities that we're in. Oh yeah. It is not the way of Jesus in my opinion.
0: Yeah. So that that's one thing I always say. I, I, I bring people on here because I don't want one view of faith. Yeah. I want a lot of voices to form people Yeah, because just like you were talking about, I think this is something I've come to realize is I really struggle in this because I know that I shouldn't judge someone for how they're making out their faith i mean i could if if hitler were here i could totally judge him (laughs) but because if anybody says the answer is to kill someone like okay your your god
1: is whack bro i can't get down with Um, violence i can't do it but
0: at the same point we've all had a faith handed to us yeah and so how they're making up and trying to live their faith god may be telling them something that's contrary to what i'm doing because that's all they can hear right now sure and so for me I want a lot of different voices in here. So I never want anybody to apologize for their their yeah. position. Um but at the same point I also never want anyone to stop wrestling. Yeah. And so for me like I know I'm never
1: um question everything. Qu- like question everything. Yeah. You don't have to be scared of that. No. If you believe that the Holy Spirit is alive, active, breathing, and, in um, sealing your faith. And what I mean by that is like always pulling you into the Lord rather than pushing you away. It's perfectly safe to question, right? It
0: has to be. Um, cause the other part is, and this is something that I, I say, you guys know, I study comedy and the best comedy is always includes an element of truth. Um, yeah. If God is afraid of your doubt, you shouldn't be worshiping in anyway. Wrong God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if the supreme being of creation is afraid of your doubts, yeah, man. like that, your God is whack, bro. Yeah. Um, so for me, like, it, you know, I love narrative. I love storytelling. So for me, how can the same God that's, we're told is a God of love and sacrifice in the new Testament. How do you explain the Canaanite conquest narratives?
1: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Wrestle with that question. I mean, people have superficial faith because we don't allow them to wrestle with these questions.
1: Or we hand out these like little pithy answers that are, uh uh I want to use words I probably shouldn't use. Uh We, we hand out these answers that are hollow. Oh yeah that actually aren't an answer, but they like are a, a bit of an opioid to our questioning to just get us to like, don't worry about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost, um, it's anecdotal to some extent, but it's like, you know, we, we handed out, well, the ways of God, right? Like your ways are higher than ours. Like we yeah. just don't understand what you're doing there. God's in control. Yeah, and it's like, but actually if we really believe Genesis one, that people are made in the image and likeness of God, And how can the God who made them also order to have them killed? Like these are not, (laughs) these are not small questions that we need to just overlook. It speaks to the character of God. And I say this all the time, the way people live out their faith is indicative of the God of their faith. Without a doubt. So if you live a faith of rigidity and structure, you have a God that you fear.
1: Yeah.
0: If you live that's, that's really good. Yeah. A, a faith of love and grace and acceptance, you have a God of grace and forgiveness and acceptance of who you are. You you yeah. have a faith made up by the story of the prodigal son.
1: Which that that for me is like what you just said right there was a huge turning point for me where I made the decision that I was going to worship the Jesus that is full of love and full of acceptance that, that welcomed everyone into his family that's the god i want to serve that's the jesus i want to be like and represent in the earth and so uh, sorry that caused me to really change some of my social political viewpoints i don't want to be one who excludes i don't want to be one who is anti- freaking everything. Yeah. I want to be inclusive. I want to love. It's not my business what you do behind closed doors. It's not my yeah. business how you live your life. But what what my what is my business is to represent the love of Jesus to you and yeah. serve you the best I can. You live your life however the heck you want to live your life. Yeah. Not my job. Yeah, I heard this great analogy
0: the other day. It was used in a different context, but I've just I've been living on it. Um when you encounter someone drowning, do they need a swimming lesson?
1: Right. Well,
0: yeah, they do, but not this time. Not moment. right now. Yeah. So for me...
1: And I'm going to let um, somebody else teach them. I mean, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. My, yeah. my, my I, place. I,
0: I, I'm not a swimming instructor. Yeah. That's not my role. Um, But I definitely have a life preserver. I'm jumping in. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can help you out of your mess. But like... And that's another thing I think that deconstruction has allowed me to do is growing up in fundamentalism i felt like i bore the weight of people's faith and their sin their sin yeah whereas now i don't i bear the weight of their experience of grace and let god work on their sin
1: isn't that more fun
0: it is much less anxious yeah and it it allows me the ability to truly celebrate with people. Yeah. You never yeah. When, when you have that, you can't ever when you have that other view, you can't ever celebrate with someone because you're always going to be bearing the weight and anxiety of their coming sin.
1: Yeah, man, I can't do it.
0: it it's it's a very unhealthy place. Yeah. That's why we have the narrative in Jesus that he took yeah. the sin. The gospel is good. Yeah, it's good news. news. Yeah. <laughs>
1: A friend of ours, Josh Hilburn. I mean, one of the things I always hear him say these days is like, "Dude, if you're not representing, like, if if the gospel isn't good news, you're not like, quit, like, just stop it, just oh, stop it,
0: because you're not, you you've missed it. What are
1: you doing? Yeah, you're wasting your time and causing yourself grief. Yeah. Oh, that is like, if your if your message isn't goodness, mm. what is the point? Yeah. Is it the gospel? Yeah. Is it the euangelion of God, right? And so that's just like, that's where I'm at, at the other end of my, I keep talking like deconstructions over, it's not, but like, that's where I am today. It's like, and why I can say that I'm more confident today in my faith than ever before, because you know what? I got one goal. Be good news. Yeah. That's it. I'm not gonna be negative news. Yeah. Now, some of my closer closer friends will maybe listen to this podcast and go, "You're the most negative, Nancy. <laughs> yeah. You're the most crisis." Yeah. Because um, I'm also a, a, a political nerd, but um, but you know, that's my own working out of my own anxieties, and also why I have a therapist. But like, that's our job, man. And I see that here at Well House, where. The sermons and the podcast, it's creating a space and it's communicating a message of like, look, you are welcome. You on the left, you on the right, you in the middle, you on, on a plane that we haven't yet identified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like you're all here. You existentialist. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Come on in. Yeah. And we need more of that because here's why. And I know we're going long on the podcast. Here's why. Because the church is losing a generation, mm-hmm. multiple generations, I think, at this point. Yep. It, millennials are evacuating the churches. Yeah, Zoomers yeah, yeah. aren't even coming. Yeah, They're not even establishing the relationship that you and I, it may not have been a great foundation from the beginning, but you know what? It was it, something. It was a foundation, wasn't it? Yeah. We are losing generations because we're equating our faith with something that is not good news. We're equating our faith and our Christian practice with something that is more uh, nationalistic, yeah, more politically oriented and less about washing feet.
0: Yeah, less about a reality of the kingdom of God. Yeah.
1: Um, so
0: I will I will end with this metaphor here. Um, deconstruction is vitally important because, like we talk about, faith has a foundation. Um, And upon that foundation, we build something. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We can add on to that, to what's already built. Yeah. But as we continue to add on, there's going to come a point where it's no longer functional. Yeah. yeah. It's been added on and added on and added on to that. It no longer serves uh, a purpose in its original intent because it's so different than what it originally was. Yeah. And there comes a time where we have to, Tear it down to rebuild under our new understanding what we can live in. Yeah. Um, And so if you've listened to 45 minutes of this and you're like, yes, I need that space, please reach out to us at Wellhouse. We are currently in the process of designing a deconstruction support group that we want to have for people to come in and we want to provide space for people to wrestle with these questions. If you attend one of our gatherings, you know that every sermon invokes questions. It it's designed for us to do this wrestling together, to hear other voices uh, and see how God is at work in other people. So if this is you, please reach out to me. You are valued and your voice is valued. I'm not afraid of your doubts. God's not afraid of your doubts. They're healthy.
1: Amen. Thanks for having me on the podcast.
0: Absolutely, man.
1: Thanks.